Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, here with Bill Goldberg. How are you? Uh, I already have grease on my hands this morning, so I'm doing I, wonderful. I, you know, you guys are, uh, you're, you're a couple hours ahead, so I know you get, you get an early start over there in the garage and then take a little break, do the podcast, get back at it. <laughs> yeah, I finally had my bike delivered from Danny Counts Customs this morning. It only sat in Oklahoma City for two and a half months, so, uh. <clears throat> yeah, it was an interesting start to my morning, pushing my bike a uh, half mile from the front uh, to the garage <laughs> with a dead battery and, and no air in the front tire. But yeah, it's the normal day here in uh, in Texas. Um, <clears throat> welcome our, our guest, Mike Spagnola. Mike is the uh, is the president and CEO of SEMA. You guys have seen him before. He's been on the show before. We just wanted to catch up with Mike. Now that the dust has settled a little bit after SEMA, and uh, actually, I just came back from the MPMC event where we talked on nice. on a previous show as well. An event that I realized that I've been going to for about 17 years. Uh, wow. So it's been going for a long time. I've kind of reduced my commitment to one day instead of three days because I... I we know a lot of the companies that we meet with, and I don't want to take up everybody's meeting time, and I want to let some of the new people go in there, but I still want to get some face time with especially some of the companies that aren't necessarily out here on, on the West Coast that we don't get to visit. But uh, it's good to do that event. Uh, Mike, welcome. Yeah, it's a great event. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And Bill, I'm jealous. I don't have grease on my hands this morning. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've been on a, I've got a pen in my hand and a computer. That's about it right now. You know what? Sometimes we have to work. Um, I know, I know. Yeah. So and now the uh, camera is freaking out, and you're going, you're going uh, nuts no. on camera. You're, you're. Uh... Oh, that's beautiful. We couldn't <laughs> pay for that. We could not pay for that. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, Mike, um, Mike! Please tell me you can see that. I could, I, I could see it. I could see it. Hang on a second. Let me. Uh, well. <laughs> You can well, try to turn this type setting up no, the just, studio. Just keep it going. It's beautiful. Um, oh, that, oh, that's hilarious. While while it he is. gets that, see if he can. Uh, you feel free to to turn the camera off and then back on. He's got jazz hands all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> jazz hands. Oh, oh it's yeah. not working. No, oh, no, no. Oh, no. Oh. Well, you you can you we can jump off this, and the, reconnect. The whole podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, oh. Bill, you've got all the, the the UTVs and stuff on the property. There was no way to tow the motorcycle from the front gate, uh, like to. What am I? How am I going to tow the motorcycle? I well, you got to get somebody myself. to. You got to get somebody to sit on it for you, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a hundred. Yeah, it's just a monster. It's my big black West yeah, Coast yeah. chopper, so the rake is huge. I can barely maneuver the damn thing. So Which yeah, is... there's no way. Was this the bike you were talking about selling at? And at, that at was Barrett, in Vegas. Texas, and, you, yeah, and the, yeah. The issue with Barrett Jackson was the VIN was not in embossed or stamped on the right. frame itself. But uh -huh. Jesse James doesn't do that. He puts certificates underneath the seat. And long story short, it didn't sell because it didn't. It wasn't entered, and so. It had been sitting at Danny's and Counts Customs for two or a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I got That's the garage done and then rock and roll. It's finally here. So. Yeah, it's a cool bike. I think I'll, I saw. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna give my uh, uh, affirmative check mark to haul bikes. <laughs> I'm just saying. I won't go any further. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh, Mike. So uh, I'm back. I'm back. He's back. He here. He is. He's back. Um, I, uh, I I've got a handful of things I want to get into, but let's get a little sure. download from SEMA because SEMA was um, a different overall for the year, right? We were leading up to the F one race and all the build out in Vegas, and we had SEMA Fest, which uh, I I thought SEMA Fest was was fun. I yeah, you know, it, as I was saying on the podcast before, it was like you got to give this a couple of years to work itself out because you don't know what to expect. But honestly, we had a good time. You and I were there, I think, yeah. two nights we just were. for the concert series, hanging out. And, uh, you know, the your family was there and Tammy yeah. was there and we, we had a great group and it was fun to see all of that. Um, but uh, what what's kind of your what what's your, your yeah, download yeah. So on we, that? So, you know, obviously SEMA is the is the biggest automotive car show car event that consumers want to go to that can't right i mean it is it is a business to business uh, event where manufacturers and buyers get together to 
to celebrate our industry and to talk about products and to buy and sell parts and all that happens and consumers want to go in and let's face it they find ways to sneak in and guys build cars and some no. of that happens but <laughs> but 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 uh uh anyway people would love to go to the SEMA show and we are now looking at you know how do we continue with a business to business show and allow manufacturers and buyers to get together and and do the kind of business that they need to do but also have some sort of consumer uh event where uh consumers can come in and so we opened up the show to, on Friday to consumers and then tied it into the SEMA fest where we we really just do this whole festival and celebrate the whole automotive car culture, music, you know, all that comes together. And it's got a couple of goals, right? It's uh, as we expand out and uh, I've always felt like SEMA is probably one of the best brand names that we kind of hide under a bushel, right? I mean, to get it out there better mm -hmm. and to celebrate all of that and to allow consumers to be part of it. We, we also need those consumers going forward. We, we've got to connect better with those consumers because we're going to need them as we battle just a lot of government intervention into our industry. And, and we're going to need those, those names, those people to be able to do all the things that we have to do in advocacy uh, form to get out and write letters and to talk to their politicians about this car culture and that we're not bad guys and that we should be able to continue to celebrate our culture. We should be able to continue to drive the vehicles we want to drive and, uh, and support this lifestyle. So, so it's kind of a twofold thing, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, where we are, uh, we just did an economic impact study. We're a $337 billion a year industry to the, the economy. And that, uh, that was really important for us to do because the legislators listen to that kind of stuff, right? They, when they, when they see what impact they're having on our industry, you know, they start to think twice about deciding whether or not we're all going to be driving EVs or you can't put an exhaust system on your car or superchargers or bad things or any of that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. What's, you're right, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> and, and speaking of what's your what's your take on EV? Because uh it's a it's a listen, it's it's a topic we address a lot on the show here because so many new cars are are EV. But you know certainly the adoption rate for EV isn't quite what everybody expected. And and honestly walking around the SEMA show floor, um, although we're seeing some innovation in EV, um, I, my personal take is, is it's not necessarily well-received. <laughs> yeah, so, so here's, our, here's, our, here's kind of our stance, and my stance personally even, is that EVs aren't a bad thing. They're part of our future. Um, we're seeing even EV adoption in conversion, right? Taking a 69 Camaro or whatever it might be and doing an EV package in it. All we're saying is that EVs are part of our future, but consumers should have choice. Uh, the government shouldn't pick winners and losers and put their thumb on the scale and saying it's EV and EV only. We are seeing, we're all for cleaner air. We're seeing hydrogen really starting to come into play and even BMW and some of the other OEs are now announcing hydrogen. We're seeing synthetic fuels. We're seeing biofuels. We're seeing a lot of technologies and uh, the government should allow innovation to continue forward and allow different forms of technology to continue uh, and consumers should have a choice. And uh, and so we're against, you know, California wants, I don't know what it is, 30 some percent uh, EVs by 2026 and EV and EV only by 2032. And 17 other states have tried to adopt that same policy. But look, number one, the infrastructure is not in place. We know all the issues with EV. Yeah, we know the issues. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but again, they are, look, they're cool. They, they have a place. They have a place certainly in city driving, um, but there's a lot of other technologies that should move forward. You know, ICE vehicles, internal combustion engines are not bad. It's what you put in them. And so if we can do cleaner fuels to put in them, then that technology should continue to be able to move forward. And, and uh, again, consumers should have a choice. So, you know, we know that uh, in certain applications, EVs are not good. So and, it's, and, and also SEMA is a, is a huge platform to see those new technologies, possibly, right? right? Yeah. Altern alternatives. And if you get rid of that platform, then you get rid of the alternatives. Hence, you know, us being told what to do all the time again. Yeah, um, yeah. We we did a twenty five thousand square foot piece of SEMA show this year that was all the future of, of transportation. 
and we celebrated all those technologies and showed uh, these different technologies and the forms and where they were going. And so uh, I, I'm with you, Bill. It's it's uh, we got to allow innovation to continue to move forward. That's what's moved this industry. That's what's moved this country is innovation, and it shouldn't be stifled. And, and again, government shouldn't pick winners and losers. I guess my main question to you, Mike, would be how do you get the major manufacturers that have backed out over the past number of years back? Yeah, they're some of them are coming back and we're working on that now. Uh, you know, Ford is back um, at the SEMA show uh, and uh, we've got some others coming back. Toyota took a huge stance at the show this year and they're coming back again next year. Um, they recognize, they're starting to recognize they need us and, and it's just that relationship, right? The, the OEs in general have pulled out of shows. I mean, they're not doing Detroit like they used to. They're not doing LA like they used to. It's a different some model. Of, yeah. Yes. I, I, some I, of them are trying to adapt the 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 um Tesla model. Yeah, the Tesla model. Yeah, that's you what know, they're trying to do. I, I think some of the big car manufacturers backing out of the SEMA show is certainly not a function of or or a result of of SEMA being ineffective in any way, the SEMA show. This was just a it, listen, part of it is money and it's and it's yeah. optics. Like you can't be in uh, a in huge negotiations with the UAW. You can't have a strike. You can't have billions of dollars of lost sales. You can't be laying off people and then go spend millions of dollars at, at trade shows and you know things that come off as more fun than anything else. Like you kind of have to, be... but you still have to have a presence to get those people and give them confidence. Yes. So you, it's you... a it's a it's a dichotomy, right? Yeah, and yep. and actually to to Mike's point is. Yes, SEMA, uh, uh, Ford didn't have the big display that they normally have, but you go around over to the new West Hall and Ford Performance had a smaller booth there and the big debut of the supercharger kit for the new Mustang and the crate engines. I'm like, they weren't out completely. They just said, we're not going to have this multi-million dollar presence, but we know the value of being there, especially when when the marketing people on the new Mustang were all like going, they were all pushing this thing going, the car isn't tunable. You can't modify it. We've really kind of locked it down. And Ford Performance going, I feel like that's going to hurt our sales if the new car sales <laughs> marketing people are going, you this can't tune sense. the car. So Ford Performance shows up with a modified 2024 Mustang and supercharger packages and them going, Yes, we would just prefer you buy the stuff through our partners through Ford Performance. Well, yeah, right? that's like Dodge going, you can't, you know, alter the PCM yeah. and then, you know, turn it back on direct connection. Right. And then, yeah. You're right. Direct yeah. connect is yeah. all of a sudden you get all the access to all this aftermarket stuff. And it's kind of what we were saying before. It's like the car companies, I think, want to have a little more control and they want a piece of the action the way. Right you know, the way Apple or Google does their, their app store, right? You know, yep. Ford wants the modified parts to go through their store. It's all approved by them. They get a little piece of the action and look at the business that Apple has done through their app store and how many modifications we're going to be able to see in the future that are literally just software downloads, things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, tuning yeah. suspension, tuning. That's going to be that's going to be the only way that you can you can alter your your vehicle. That's the only way that you'll hey. be able to express yourself whatsoever is through altering the makeup of your car through your phone. I, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, there's some appearance <laughs> stuff, cosmetic stuff, but you're right. Anything performance related, I think, is going to end up being that way. I, at MPMC, I sat down with a bunch of the manufacturers that have, you know, have. Uh, tuning companies, right? Because they've been acquired, you know, from a Diablo Sport and SCT. And I said, "What are we doing on on EVs?" I got a I got a Ford F one fifty Lightning, and they said, "Well, we can." Uh, they, you know, they said sorry. we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, I'm just. I'm, yeah, I mean, no, go ahead. I, I I asked them. I was like, "What's happening with with EV tuning?" And they said, "Well, we could do stuff to it." But we're afraid that over-the-air updates from the manufacturer will just wipe out the tune and then you'd have to re-download. I go, but we do that with apps on our phone, right? Like, like we just, we got to re-download new apps on the phone because iOS has changed or something. So uh, I I guess we'll, yeah. we'll see how it's going to evolve. 
Yeah, I, I have a little different opinion. I mean, I, I can remember in 2011 when they said you're never going to crack a Dodge, you know, ECU again. Oh, yeah. And it, right. And it took a couple of years before we could put superchargers on them, but we did it. And then the, you know, the C8 Corvette came out and it was like, oh, this is, you know, bank style software. You're never going to get in this thing. Yeah, and right. you're not going to be able to put a supercharger on it. And it's, uh, you know, it took the aftermarket. Look, we're innovators. We we find ways. You it know, took there, them there 10 a, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> there was an article that came out that said, does the aftermarket have five more years? And it talked about government intervention and all that what was going on. It talked about the complexity of vehicles and that you're not going to be able to, to break into the, the, these vehicles anymore. And it talked about the youth not wanting to modify vehicles. The article was from 1975. Exactly. <laughs> and here we are, right? And uh, and so I, you know, I got faith that we'll be able to continue. And look, the OEs recognize they need us to sell more vehicles. When the new Mustang, like you said, uh, comes out, Matt, and it's on whatever all sorts of social media, and still, you know, there are magazines with covers on them that have those Mustangs, and you know, it shows up in all these different forms of social media and in in uh, different different areas of being able to connect to the consumer. And they see that vehicle modified, they recognize that consumers are like, I want that car and I want to individualize it and I want it with those products on it. So, you know, uh, they recognize that it, it's, you know, the lawyers kind of get in the way sometimes in these OEs, but they recognize it. Look, you know, Mopar would have been at the SEMA show. They were all loaded up. They had their trucks ready to go. They bought a booth at the SEMA show. And the day the trucks were supposed to leave, they had to make a decision not to come because of the union deal, because yeah. they were, they were going through the strike and they were really upset. I mean, they had already paid for all of, all of that stuff, right? All the things to get, to buy the booth for the show, to send people there, to uh, load the booth up, all of that was done. And they had to make a decision because of the, the um, uh, strike. And, yeah. and um, but you know, they'll be back this year. Okay. Yeah. That's good. What's um, what's going on with, with EPA, what's going on with CARB. We've talked about it a few times on the air over the years. A lot of companies have been uh, kind of fighting with those organizations and and there's been huge fines, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be an acrimonious future between the aftermarket right. and, and the EPA. Uh, are we, have we found a resolution? Are we getting toward a resolution? Like what's, how's the relationship gonna happen between the aftermarket and yeah, we, we continue to, uh, to work on it. Um, you know, we've just this year, we've beefed up a lot of our, um, staff in the DC office. And, um, and so we're taking a lot more active role in just all sorts of government relations and having a voice in all of that. Um, but as you know, Matt, you've been to the garage, you've seen our senior yeah. garage. We have two now, we have one in Detroit, one here in California, where we help manufacturers get through that whole EO carb process. So if you build any product that affects fuel or air, and I mean even an intercooler, it has to go through a test to make sure it doesn't have a negative effect on emissions. And so um, so let's just say you're building a new supercharger or any, any part that affects fuel or air. You can send it to our garage. We'll fill out the application on your behalf. We'll do the testing on a vehicle on your behalf. We'll send that information into CARB and we'll get you a CARB EO. So there is a process now you know, has there been red tape along the way? You bet. Um, it used to take up to two years to get an EO. We're doing it in about four months now. But they still will once in a while, you know, put a, a wrench in the gears to, to to stop us. I mean, it took us, we built the Detroit garage and had it finished 18 months ago. And just three weeks ago, we got approval to to do carb testing and EPA testing. It took that long yeah. to get it, to get us certified to be able to do that work. So, uh, and and honestly, at the end of the day, we had to get some government regulators involved because it was just taking way too long. We spent we spent over fifteen million dollars to put that garage together, and we couldn't do the carb work because of the red tape. So, uh, you know, there's it's kind of good sister, bad sister. Sometimes, it, yeah. You know, we we've got great relations, but there are still some people that that uh, want to put a fly in the ointment and keep us from moving forward. So, Seema uh, Garage is kind of your baby. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I, uh, so I, uh, Matt, you know that I came from the industry, uh, at street scene industry. equipment. Yeah, you and yeah, I met back yeah. then, uh, uh yeah. quite, a, quite a while ago. Yeah. Quite a while ago. Aftermarket, so, and, like, uh, body kits for the, you know, right. for, for cars and trucks and with sport trucks were, were a big thing. 
yeah. you guys are really yeah. into that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, bought and sold a few companies over the years, but, you know, came from the industry, uh, was part of that because I did a lot of product development, uh, in, um, when I sold my shares in my company 2013, I agreed to come on to SEMA to do this product development center, the SEMA garage. And I signed on for a three-year contract and I'm now 11 years into my three-year contract, but, yeah. um, but the, yeah, the idea was this, um, product development center that helps manufacturers develop products and take them to market. So it's everything from, uh, let's say you wanted on that 2024 Mustang to develop a new suspension kit for it. We get the CAD data from uh, Ford, direct from Ford. So we can provide you with that CAD data. You can redevelop that suspension. You can send it to us. We can 3D print out the parts. We can bolt them onto the car. We can help you through all that engineering process uh, before you even make the part. So uh, we did a, a, a kind of a test where a air intake would used to take about um, six months to a year to develop uh, that air intake to um, get the product developed, get it designed, um, get it built, get it into an emissions test system and get an EO. Used to take between six months to a year, and we can do it now in about three months, start to finish. So when it's just, it's, it's moving product quicker to market. It's helping the manufacturers get that product to market and uh, uh, and getting all that emissions testing. So all of that process, we've shortened up the time frame for thousands of manufacturers. It's a win-win. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't see anything bad about that situation. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really a cool deal. So it's it's really helping manufacturers get, pro you know, the sooner you can get a product to market, obviously sales increase. Uh, the consumer has more choices in all those sort of products and then working alongside the OE. So the garage will, you know, we got the Ford Bronco uh, eight months before it came to market. And, and so Ford gave us the Broncos. We brought manufacturers in to design products, to measure products. We have a CMM, a scanning machine. Uh, we've got actually three of them. So we can scan a part and put it into CAD and reverse engineer everything. Anything the human eye can see, we can scan and, and get into the, I mean, the technology today is just incredible. So what you can do. Yeah. When, when you guys do the measuring ses sessions, you, you, you bring a car in, you invite automotive manufacturers, the aftermarket manufacturers over, they get an opportunity, usually, like you said, before the vehicle is released to, 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 to measure, to scan, to get data. Uh, how many, how often is, the OE manufacturer supplying that vehicle and supporting that process versus you guys trying to source a vehicle? All the time. So in the last three months, we've had Hyundai here. We've had Toyota here with the new Tacoma. Um, uh, we've had Ford here. We've got the new Ford F-150 coming here in a couple of weeks. And so uh, all the time. So, that you know, the manufacturers really do work with us closer than probably the public knows. And it's not a adversarial relationship. Again, uh, while the OEs are going to have accessories available through their own uh, dealer network, they can't do everything. I mean, they can't they can't afford to have twelve styles of running boards or you know, rock guards or you know any of those sorts of things. And they recognize that consumers still want to individualize and customize their vehicles. And so hey, that's know, a big part of the dealer us, business, right, right? Right? Yeah. So yeah. So well, you know, while they want to have some piece of that market, um, they also recognize that. There's consumers want choices and, uh, and they're going to build these Halo vehicles. I mean, then that new to Toyota Tacoma, their, their TRD is, is just an amazing, I mean, it's got all sorts of aftermarket products on it, but it's a, it's really a Halo vehicle. I mean, even the, you know, when the, when the, um, uh, when the new, uh, Ford Raptor came out, you know, we kind of, people were saying, well, it's, it's it, we're done. People are taking brand new $85,000 Raptors. And they're not home 10 minutes and they're yanking parts off it and putting aftermarket yeah. parts on them. It's crazy, right? They're it's doing it even before they get home. Yeah. yeah. Bill's done it <laughs> yeah. with his TRX. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, uh, Bill's probably had cars that he purchased and they ended up over at like Mario's shop at Gearheads before you even took delivery of them. It probably got delivered to half him of instead them. of you. <laughs> 100%. At least half. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of the aftermarket world. Right. You know, you, and on top of that, you know, not everybody can afford that $85,000 F-150, uh, you know, Raptor, but they can afford the $40,000 one and build it over time. So, uh, yeah, or, or buy a used one. Right. So it's 
a lot of it's aspirational. Um, you know, when, when, you know, Matt, you were mentioning street scene, when I had street scene, we started off with just full body kits and we recognized over time that we had to sell the individual side skirts and front bumper spoilers and rear, because, you know, guys might've, you know, whatever worked and, and, uh, you know, been able to afford an extra 200 bucks that week. And so they want to buy it in pieces over time. And yeah. That's just, yeah, you rip your front fascia off. You don't want to have to buy the entire kit. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true too. That's true. Too. Yeah. So, um, so, that, experience. so speaking of spe speaking of builds, you you have been working on I, I you and I have talked many times. I know you're a fan of of the Japanese cars, like Adam Carolla is, um, and you've got a handful of of cars in in your collection now. But most recently, you did uh, you did a new Z, you did a new Nissan yeah. Z, you did a SEMA build. It's been a while since you've done a SEMA build. It, it had you know, you've, been busy. Do, you've been busy yeah, with been your day it. job <laughs> <laughs> yeah every year i've always built a car or two and um and then we always build a charity car you know yeah. every year that we uh and you're right the last two years uh i haven't been able to do that but the yeah the z was a fun build and uh it's actually my daily driver i drove it today to, to, to work so uh it's um unless there's something crazy going on that is what i drive back and forth to work every single day and it's um it's, it's been a fun car it's uh so far, it's kept me out of trouble, um, and uh, but uh, you know, did a little bit of tune work on the to the motor, did uh, different suspension, different tires and wheels, put some Brembo brakes on it, um, and it's just a fun everyday throw around. Uh, it's a Proto Z, but I, I'm not I'm not trailer queening it. It is, it's what I drive every day. I think I've got fifteen, sixteen thousand miles on it already. Did you get the bright yellow? A, I did get the bright yellow. You got the I bright probably, yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I already had already had to put a set of tires. Eleven thousand miles, I had to put a set of tires on it, but that's what they're uh, for. Yeah, well, that's Absolutely. probably how you drive more than anything else. <laughs> could could be <laughs> could be how you drive. Um, uh, and and speaking of driving, getting in a little bit of your background, like you've 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 been on the track your your whole life, right? And and I don't know if everybody knows that or not, but you've done quite a bit of uh, racing and stuff in your day. I have. I did a lot of SCCA racing. I still do track days. Uh, you know, my kids are now into it. Uh, I do some off-roading. Um, we just we were just out at King of the Hammers and had a great few days out there with the whole family off-roading. But, you know, yeah, I love to do it. It's uh, it's a little embarrassing now to have your kids so much faster than you. But I was just going to uh, ask, who's better? Who's uh, faster now, you uh, or Junior? <laughs> well, no. So, so you know, uh, we have this we have a radical and we took it out to Willow uh, recently and I was, you know, Streets of Willow, I, I got it down to a, a, a minute 20, and I thought I was just kicking ass. I thought I was doing pretty good. My oldest son, AJ, got into it yeah. and uh, did, a, did a 117. And then my youngest son, Mikey, got into it and did a 113.9. And I was like, <laughs> that's it. I'm, I'm going to sell the car. We're, we're, putting it, we're putting it back in the trailer and taking it away. You guys... You know, when, enough. When they, yeah, enough, enough of being embarrassed, you know, and so well, I'll, I'll make you I'll make you feel better, Mike, I got a simulator and my son is 17, uh, obviously learned how to drive a couple of years ago, doesn't know how to drive a stick very well. So I kind of taught him on the simulator. He can smoke me now. <laughs> and, and, and that was within probably 24 hours of me teaching him how to use a manual transmission. Uh -huh. Uh, so he, just, he, right. he just got he more just motivation. He's got more motivation. Yeah. I'm sure. Oh, it's their just... it's their motor skills. It's unbelievable how they yeah. can how they can how they can pick stuff up absolutely immediately. It's it's flabbergasted. Well, well just you know, we put a we put a camera in the car, and just their hand motion. Oh yeah, and, and their ability to react is so much quicker. And you know, and it's it's you know it's embarrassing, but uh, it's fun it's to watch a, them. It's emasculating. It's more than embarrassing. <laughs> So they're, uh, we just bought some legend cars and, um, both my boys are going to be running legend cars this year and, and that's going to be fun enough, but I'll have the headphones on and, and doing, doing the spotting, I guess, and maybe some sponsorship. We'll see. Yeah. Now you've got a, you've got a Datsun Roadster, but I think the Roadster was modified. We were talking about that yeah. before, I think in the past. Yeah. I think we actually, between the two boys and I, we have five of them, but, um, <laughs> I'm doing a frame off 67, uh, Solex model right now, which they only made a few hundred of. So uh, that one's about halfway done. It's actually getting ready to be put back together. Uh, my youngest son, Mike, has a uh, 67 as well, but he put an SR20 motor in it. And uh, that thing's pretty trick. Yeah. It, then, you know, it, the, 
the Datsun Roadster is an interesting vehicle because it looks like a tiny lightweight vehicle. And in theory it is, but it's a full frame car. It's not a unibody car. Like it has no, a little bit of heft to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it does. So, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm kind of partial to them. I coming out of high school, I went to work at a Datsun dealership, literally sweeping floors and parts delivery and all that and used to race them. So uh, kind of like Adam, but I have, you know, five tens and roadsters and two forty Z's and then the new Z. And, uh, uh, so yeah, I kind of have an affinity towards those cars and, and, uh, I've been able to pass that on to my kids as well. So that's kind of fun. Now, um, I could be wrong about this, but do you have, or did you have an aerial atom? Yes. Still have it. Yeah, you do. Actually, you have an aerial yeah. atom. Yeah. 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 Cause I don't, I don't think that comes up much in the conversation, but I had an opportunity to get into an aerial atom at the Bondurant school when it was back in the Bondurant school. Um, and that thing was nuts. <laughs> and, and now, <laughs> you know, uh, I, like that thing was, and I, and I, I got in it for a bit and then I jumped in it with, with, um, the school's chief instructor at the time. And somebody had brought the car there just to shake it down. And he's like, let's go for a few laps. And the owner of the car was there was like, here, take it, just do whatever. And then the instructor's just like, he's like, we're just going to go out and just, just thrash it and do donuts and whatever. I was like, let's just, let's throw a, a camera on it. Let's do it together. And we did. And that thing was just insane. What, what year is your Adam? So it's actually my son's and it's a 2016. It's got, it's got the supercharged motor in it. <laughs> and, uh, but it, it is, uh, you know, I think it's all of 1300 pounds. Yeah. And it's just a rocket. Um, but I, you know, I still get like to get in and throw it around a little bit. We took that, it out to the racetrack as well recently out to, to willow and did some track days with it so see that's yeah, where i think a, it would be really a lot of fun because that car is so nuts like you you need a you need it you need to stretch its legs on a on a track and yeah, see yeah. what it can do and again another one of those cars where you're like i just you know i wouldn't be able to drive it to its full capabilities like you, no. you just you'd have to be out on the track with like tanner faust or something and go like i would do three laps and i go tanner now i'm gonna ride shotgun and you do it and and then I would, like you said, I would just be embarrassed to go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to find the limits of that car, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it's actually also streetable. So that's kind of fun to take to car shows once in a while on a, on a weekend or just, just do a canyon run. Yes. And because we have nice weather, you can do that in an aerial app. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, always fun to do. That's a That's another great car. Uh, what else is going on in, uh, in, in your garage? What's, what's you, you've got your new Z you built it for SEMA. Yeah. You're driving it every day. You got, you got your sights set on something new for the year, maybe a new build for SEMA. No. I, so, uh, unfortunately this job is really keeping me busy. And in fact, <laughs> again, I hate to admit some of this stuff, but, uh, I'm actually starting to pay some people to do some of my restoring for me because I just, I can't get to it all. Yeah. Um, so my my days in the garage are a little more limited. I still actually planning on getting some garage time this weekend. Um, I've got a uh, I've got a Aston Martin that needs a little bit of tune up. Yeah. It it uh, I, I went to drive it the other day and the battery was dead and it had a low tire and it was like okay I gotta. Yeah, that you know, sounds like an Aston Martin to me though. So I, you're yeah. you're not doing anything different than anybody else. It sounds like Aston every Martin. car to me. Oh yeah, it's, it is, isn't it? It's uh you enjoy all these cars and then. And then, but they sit. Um, I've got this 70Z I've got to do a little, little bit of work on because it's been sitting. But uh, so I can tinker, but I can't do all the work I used to do. Um, I've got now my grandson who's seven. Uh, I'm going to give him my 55 Chevy truck. And uh, it was, <laughs> that was my grandfather's actually. So uh, we're going to start to maybe play with that thing. And I'm not quite sure what we're going to do with it yet, but I'm, I'm sure it's going to need a different chassis. And you know, we'll, we'll go through the thing and, uh, yeah. I want to get him, I want to get him started on something. And then all the race cars again, it's, uh, the race cars. Yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunately work gets in the way and this job gets in the way, but, uh, it, it's been a really great, challenging, fun job. It's, uh, I'm learning a lot about politics. I'm learning a lot about, um, just changing the company up a little bit, you know, moving us along, uh, innovating again. Um, of course the show's important to us. We have the PRI show as well in Indianapolis. And um, you may know that we just bought a building in Indy as well. So yeah, just, you know, CMA and PRI continue to grow and expand. And 
you know, and making sure that our hobby is still around for all of us to enjoy it, for the next generation to enjoy. So tell us um, a little bit about how people can get more involved because SEMA has always been sort of, you know, it's been a trade organization, but now there are right. individual memberships, both with PRI yep. and SEMA, so people can join. What does that do? Yeah, so uh, so again, we are trying to rally some of those troops, right, between SEMA Fest and now this individual membership uh, to be able to connect closer to our members. Uh, and again, for a lot of reasons, but but really, we are all going to have to have one voice going forward um, as we talk about um, just these laws that continue to come into effect. I mean, you know that uh, here in California, they shut down Oceana Dunes, uh, which was a great popular place to go off-roading. Uh, we got 400,000 voices together, consumer voices together, along with the work we're doing with government relations, and we got that opened back up. You know, now they're trying to shut down part of Moab, and so we're trying to make sure that we still have these recreational vehicles to go out and off-road and and do those sorts of things. We're seeing some racetracks disappear, you know, all of that. So uh, if you go to SEMA.org and uh, you can see um, from there where to sign up, uh, we'd love to have our consumers uh, together so we can connect and have one voice. And again, this year at the SEMA show, you can come to the show on Friday. Uh, you can actually walk the show. You can come to SEMA Fest uh, Friday night, concerts, um, all sorts of events. We have, um, you know, uh, Nitro Circus. Uh, this last year, we had Hoonigan guys out there. We had a, just a just a lot of fun. So that's going to continue. And uh, Matt, you and I were there for the first one, but it it was fun. Continue yeah, on. no, it was yeah. it was a it was a good time. I mean, you can definitely see what what needs to be done, but uh, it, yeah, it was it was fun. It was overall yeah, had, it, it was fun. Yeah, we had sixteen thousand people there. So you know, we were we were hoping for a bit more than that, but it was a, it was a good start. And uh, you know, to have a consumer show like that first run uh you know you learn from it but we also we, we also think it'll continue to grow so you guys have uh an office in washington dc as well and we and do i i i can't stress that enough of of what you don't hear much about is how much sema has to fight on a regular basis to like you were saying to to protect the rights of of the enthusiast and this hobby as a whole. And it's a, it's a full-time job in that you guys have to have an office in DC with lobbyists and people that are in the know, uh, there on, you know, they just have to be there. They have to do it every day. Yeah. We, you know, we've, again, we beefed up that department. Um, we spent a couple million dollars more there this year alone, just bringing in more people and doing more functions and being more active. Um, in May, we're going to have this, what we call a rally where we're bringing about 200 people to DC and we're going to set up meetings with all the legislators to talk about our issues that so we've got right to repair right now. You know, right now there's, um, uh, we talked about this earlier, but the, the ability to continue to be able to work on your own vehicles and to be able to get into the ECUs and be able to, uh, to modify, you know, coming up now, the, the big thing now is all these ADOS systems, right? The, the cameras and the sensors and all of these things on these vehicles take that new Ford, F-150, we're doing a lot of testing now to understand what happens when you lift the vehicle and what do those cameras look like. Yeah, it throws and, the cameras off. Yeah, and so we're going to have to be able to adjust those cameras. I mean, I mean, even if you put an oversized tire on the vehicle. And so the right to be able to repair and the right to be able to modify is going to be really important to us. And there are people that want to shut all that down. And, uh, and so uh, we're talking to our legislators about the right to repair. And uh, Connecticut, what's going on there? Because they they don't even like gas engines anymore. <laughs> yeah, so they uh, they wanted to shut that down uh, completely. We've been fighting that issue. Uh, we're running commercials right now in Connecticut. Sixty seven percent of the um, consumers in Connecticut want to continue to be able to drive what they want to drive, and they don't want to have an EV mandate. And so it's just getting that voice out so that you know legislators will do these things behind doors, you know, without really even talking to the people they represent. And so uh, uh, we've been able to stall, at least for now, that idea, and we're continuing to, to push it back. We've actually had some success in several states now of being able to say, in Ohio, they, they've uh, agreed that it's uh, the ICE engine will continue, the internal combustion engine will continue, and there's legislation for, for that. So it's a state-by-state -state fight. It happens all the time. You know, you guys know that I'm not a 
again, I'm a car guy. I'm not necessarily a political hack. I've had to learn a lot in the last few years about what this really means and how important it really is. And it's not some sort of scare tactic. This is going on. I mean, there's a, there's a bill right now in California to limit your car to 10 miles over the speed limit. So, yeah, I, I saw that. I yeah. saw that. Isn't that crazy? I, 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 I definitely question the motivation on a bunch of these, um, on a bunch of these, these things. When you say, you know, you, you can't go to Moab or you can't do a little off-roading or do whatever in Moab. And it's like, well, what's happening? Is there a couple of bad apples that are making a fuss out there? And ultimately they just want a little more oversight and they go, we're shutting the whole thing down. And then they, they hope that you guys come in and other people come in and go, no, that's not what you really want to do. You just want to make sure that everyone treads lightly and cleans up after yeah. themselves and doesn't hurt anything because uh, it it's just a, a weird process. It seems like it's maybe possibly some someone on the government side, typically the government going, we're going to stop everything. And then you go, okay, but that's not really feasible. That's not really what you want to do. And you screaming, we're going to stop any off-roading or anything in Moab is you guys getting headlines, getting attention. So, right. so now like organizations like SEMA and a bunch of consumers will spend a bunch of money to make a fuss about it and fight you on it. And ultimately what they wanted was some middle ground for them to go, let's just get a little bit of uh, organization at, at Moab or something as an example. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I I think you know, sometimes it's even past that. We know for a fact that sometimes it's just posturing. They, they know they're yeah. going to lose the battle, but they're going to look good to some of their constituents to say, look what I tried to get done. You know, or they're just trying to grab a headline. I mean, this 10 mile over the speed limit thing, to me, is just trying to grab a headline. It's just trying you know, to they, grab a headline. Yeah. They they, they, they they tried to ban low riders. They tried to ban cruising, you know, and we, you know, we, we fought that in one, but what a, what a stupid thing. Well, I, unfortunately you guys have to spend so much time and money arguing the point of some of these ridiculous moves because some politician wants a headline and they're trying to get right. votes or they're just trying to stand out among every every other politician. And it just doesn't necessarily, <clears throat> it doesn't make a lot of sense. And it's, it's weird because on their end, they're spending time and money that's not necessarily theirs. <laughs> Right. right 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 look and and, and it's look, still our all... money it's our tax yeah. money they're spending our money yeah. coming up with things that we don't want and then right. organizations like you guys who are backed by enthusiasts have to spend more money to go like i it just doesn't it, it's a weird vicious cycle that doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense but it has to happen and if you guys weren't there to fill in that gap and kind of have a voice and rally the troops, then I don't, I don't know what would happen. <laughs> yeah. And again, nobody's against clean air. Nobody, you know, nobody wants to continue to roll coal and pollute and do all those sorts of things. I mean, you know, we are responsible people. We want to take care of the off-roading community. We want to make sure that we tread lightly. We want to, all that stuff is going on. Um, but sometimes politicians, again, either don't get it or, uh, they they see it you know obviously a different way and uh and so it's we've an got agenda it's an agenda and yeah. uh and, and we've you know and then they don't recognize the even the economic impact you know we did a study that said if this california thing goes through and we've got to have 30 some percent of electric vehicles by 2026 it's 67 billion dollars a year to the to the california economy alone in just our industry that it affects and, and so you know when you when you shut down these off-road areas, they don't recognize that the hotels, that the restaurants, the gas stations, that that whole uh, economy in that area goes down. Uh, I mean, King of the Hammers alone brings in a couple hundred thousand people out to Johnson Valley out in the middle of the desert. Every one of those enthusiasts is buying stuff to go out there through our industry. They're buying camping goods. They're buying food. They're buying all that sort of stuff. They've got to stop at gas stations and restaurants along the way. And for no other reason would they be going out there if right. it wasn't for the event. Right. Yeah. Right. They're not right. So so uh again, it's it's uh I know we all have to be responsible and we are, uh, but they've got to understand the whole picture. They gotta understand 
what impact they're causing when they try to do these sorts of things. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. It's it's an interesting. It's it's an interesting. They like. I don't. I don't know how else to put it. Like, I I I, I don't like to. For those of you guys listening to the show, it's like yes, we have opinions, but I I, I don't like to assume I know what's going on on both sides of the fence, right? Uh, yeah. And like you were saying, you, you know, you've been in this industry for a long time, but now taking the role of 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 CEO at at SEMA having to learn really how the politics work and what it all means and why certain rules and politicians are speaking up about things that don't necessarily make a lot of sense. And as Bill said, there's, there's an agenda behind it and you kind of have to peek behind the curtain to find out what that agenda is before you can try to solve it, you know, before you can try to solve the issue. But how else could they try to sell something so illogical? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, yeah. Like, you're right. You see something like, you know, we want to make every car in California not go more than 10 miles over the speed limit. Like, why? Like, what? what's it? And I know on the on the surface, they're going to like, it's going to reduce accidents or something. I go, I don't know that it is. So what? what's the real agenda? What's, what's the point of even saying that or making that statement or doing whatever? You know, it doesn't make sense. And I love the part where they go, this is an idea that I have. I think it's going to make everything better. We haven't spent a dime or even looked into if it's realistic or not, or if it really would make things safer, but I'm just going to go ahead with my press release and go, this is, this is my new agenda is no car going over 10 miles an hour. We're going to regulate everything. Uh, and, and I'm going to make up why I think it would yeah. be better. And then someday I'm going to get the taxpayer money to to and spend that money to see if my thoughts were real or not. If there's if it holds water, I go, well, that doesn't make sense. And do we get to say on how yeah. you're spending that money? Well, we do. We got to vote. We got to vote. We got to get better people in there. I just don't really yeah. know what the, the agenda is. No, that's right. And, and, you know, let alone they've got to have to put something on your vehicle to make sure you can't. I mean, it's just another piece of government intervention where they're going to put something on my car to make sure that I can't go more than 10 miles. Or, and and, think and about we'll be paying for it. We're, we're yeah. all going to pay for it. <laughs> I mean, what, if, what, what if somebody has to get away from someone, right? What if, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons that you, you know, you may have to go more than 10 miles over the speed limit, right? How about evading someone for an accident? Yeah, exactly. Oh, absolutely. So, for sure. For sure. Yeah, so, so, you know, those are, this is what, this is where I spend a lot of my day and this is welcome to my world, but, <laughs> yes. but you know, the, you know, the other side of that is we have, we have friends on both sides of the aisle and you got to have bipartisan friends uh, that help you understand, you know, what's going on. And, um, and so we spent a lot of time on that. We spent a lot of time, you know, uh, talking to politicians on both sides of the aisles. We had an event here last Friday night with a fundraiser for, uh, for a Democrat that's running, um, that, that believes in what we're trying to get done. So, um, it, it's, uh, it's fun and it's challenging and it's uh, interesting. And uh, you really recognize that these guys are no different than us. Um, you know, they may have a different agenda, but you got to be able to sit down and talk to them. Yeah. And they're, yeah. Uh, Mike, I, I appreciate it. Um, this has been, uh, this has been fun as always. Same, and uh, I can't wait to, to catch up with you at another event, um, someplace where we can, just enjoy the cars and the new things and not have to yeah. talk about the politics of it, which um, fortunately we still get to do a few times a year. Yeah. We get to pop no. up at various events. So there is the uh, fun side of it. We talk about the politics of it and everything, but there is the fun side of it. And I want to remind everybody, you can get individual memberships now. You can go to SEMA.org. You can get a SEMA membership for yourself. You can get a PRI membership you can go and and you can purchase tickets to the SEMA show on Friday now. I still think it's a limited amount of tickets, but you can still do that and kind of get a peek behind the curtain, see the yeah. arguably one of the the greatest car show in in the world because it's got cars and parts and all kinds of fun stuff there. Um, so it's 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 great to 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 support it and be a part of something that you 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 enjoy, yeah. and that's most people listening to this show. Well, it's always great to hang out with both you guys and Matt. Yeah, we we need to uh, do a little bit more of that. We both, we all love this car culture. We all love all parts of it. Uh, we all love hanging out together and just bench racing and 
Matt, I haven't got an update on your build either, your Mustang build or any of that sort of stuff. So we'll have yeah, to catch uh, up. Yeah, we'll have it. to catch up on things. We've been so focused on building a beverage company that I haven't really focused yeah. on building building well, well, a, too. any, any yeah. of the cars. So uh, we, we've we got our hands full for sure. But uh, Bill's jumped into it now that he spent four years on getting his garage done, that now he's got the cars to work on in the garage. And it's nice having the great facility to do it. But now that the garage is done, you realize you got to do car shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you gotta... yeah. I got, I got, I got breaks to go do boys. Yeah. But yeah, he's yeah. having a good time. And of course you can follow uh, Bill on, uh, on uh, Goldberg's garage. Cause he's getting so much more um, fun content up there and you can see the projects that are going up there. Um, and it, it's been fun. It's, it's been an interesting learning experience for a guy who's been on TV for most of his life having to do it all on your own in the shop there, you know, you have a crew, but to, to basically decide what it's going to be and how you're going to do it in the builds. And, and it's all encompassing that uh, it's, it's a little different, but it is, it is, it's getting fun. It's getting more fun by the day. A hundred percent. I'm actually seeing things uh, actually be completed right in front of my eyes. So yes, that, that makes it fun. And uh, the ability to, put together all of the people that Mike help out, you know, each and every year and to culminate in one of these killer projects. That's, that's awesome. You guys all know that's, about that. So that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's the thrill of it, right? The thrills uh, in the build as much as not have, not having a, uh, a deadline. Yeah. Right. Not having a deadline. Well, now that you got cameras rolling, there's, there's a little bit of a, the public but, opinion but, deadline. But, but 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 just remember, you they uh, they they can form an opinion with the information that you give them. Yeah. Period. End of the story. Sure. Yeah. 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 One hundred percent. Still television. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much. I appreciate thanks. it, and uh, thanks you guys for listening. And uh, we'll we'll catch you next week. Until then, keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCastShow. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCastShow.com.